Welcome to the IWIB Female Factor Podcast. For the month of March, we are celebrating the history of women during this month. And for that, we have remarkable guests that will share their stories and will share their wisdom with us. So welcome everyone to listening in. Today, we have Anju Kana. She is the co-founder of Sistrana Kana Abe, which translates for the Sisters Kana. Welcome, Anju. Thank you so much, Tatiana. I'm so happy to be here. So please share with us your journey from where were you born to why Sweden and how did you guys came with the idea of founding Sistrana Kana? Actually, I was born in Sweden, in Gothenburg, and I sort of grew up there. I went to, I did English schooling there, so sort of there was a natural path for me, at least, to go on to do university in the UK, where I studied economics, and I sort of started my career there, really. Um, I worked for several years at a commercial news agency called PR Newswire, which was part of United Business Media, uh, which was wonderful, and we sort of, um, but that was a very different industry from where I'm now. Uh, but I did that for several years. I worked in London. I also moved with them to do global accounts with them from New York. Um, and uh, then back to London again, uh, where I married my husband. Um, and we then sort of decided to do a move after our first child to Switzerland, where we spent several years before coming back to this to Sweden again. Yeah, and so basically, so once we were back in Sweden, that's when we had like, we'd had three kids along this journey. We came back to Stockholm because uh, we wanted to be closer to sort of one part of the family, my part, my, my family are in Sweden. Um, and so we just decided to come back for that. But we, um, but when we, when we did come back and sort of, I wanted to enter back into the, the workforce, I sort of felt like it was time to probably reinvent myself a bit. Um, I had felt for a long time that there was a huge gap in the market um, for in, basically Indian quality foods. And that's that's sort of where I felt that there was an opportunity. Um, so I sort of, I started sort of bouncing this idea with, I've got three sisters, but I started bouncing the idea, especially with my youngest, who's also now, who's also the co-founder of Sister and I Can Am. And we just really wanted to go for it. Uh, so sort of five years ago, we just thought we'd do it. We also have a, a family history and my parents are in this industry and they have a lot of knowledge that they sit on. Yes, I was going to ask you about that because uh, the, the culture um, that you base, I mean, the food is Indian food, right? Yes, exactly. And that's very close to your, to, to your heart, I can imagine. Yes, yes. So tell us, t t tell us a little bit about your family history in that business. Absolutely. So my parents, actually, my dad, like, like similarly to me, came with a completely different education. He came to study engineering in Chalmesh in Gothenburg in the 60s. And he also, he just really missed the food and kind of started looking into ways of importing food. So he was very active in putting Indian food on the food map in Sweden. So he, you know, him and my mum, when they got married, they sort of had one of the first sort of Indian food shops in Gothenburg, one of the first few restaurants in Sweden, and sort of set up an agency to import um, Indian foods that basically had been unheard of until, you know, at that point in the 70s, uh, even to the early 80s. So it was a, they had a really interesting journey there in the beginning, and they were very influential in sort of uh, bringing that interest to us as well. 
And tell me about then the, the your international then background because I can guess that traveling to the UK, living in Switzerland, how has been the experience for you uh, interacting with our cultures, being Swede with Indian heritage? Mm. Um, yes, it's you, you sort of have two feet. You have your feet in like two different cultures at all time, in several different country, cultures, in fact. Like there's the Indian heritage, which was very strong growing up as well. So we had like a strong Indian community, which was always fun. So always big parties, a lot of Indian food. Um, and, you know, and but I sort of felt that I really found myself in London and in New York, which are also these big melting pots where you suddenly come into your own you find a lot of people that are like you, they're not fully Indian, they're not fully English, they're not fully Swedish, they're just this big mix. Um, so that was really helpful to me in terms of sort of uh, figuring out who I was and just uh, feeling more comfortable within my own skin. Um, was that your question? <laughs> yeah, 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 it's exactly that. And then the expat life, um, from your experience uh, living in different countries, yeah. How is the Swedish market for you that yeah. made it easier? Do you think that you will be this successful in Switzerland or in mm -hmm. New York? Or how Sweden is your niche? And, 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 and I mean, Sweden is interesting, obviously. Like, it's always helpful to have the language. I speak it fluently and bilingual. So, for me, that, that was probably clearly very helpful. Setting up something like this in Switzerland would have been a different set of challenges for not having the, um, for not having the languages. However, still, there's a lot of presumptions that once you have the language, you're fully very worst, well worst into the culture. And I'd been away from Sweden 20 years when I moved back. You know, so even though I felt very Swedish in many ways, you know, I was enriched by all these different sort of things that I'd lived through in abroad for 20 years and uh, didn't always feel like I fitted in but it's hard to explain that when you have the language for it. like sometimes with an accent it almost helps explain a bit more when you don't have the accent you know people aren't looking for further explanations almost if that makes sense so that was that was that was a bit challenging and also sort of recreating a new um Without like coming, I think it would have been more difficult perhaps had I not started my own thing, but wanting to go back into just sort of a corporate life immediately without having tangible Swedish experience. I think that would have been quite different, but I was very keen on setting up a business when I came back and sort of just worked hard to carve out a niche for myself in that here. And how long did it take you when you came back to realize that founding Sister Nakana was your dream or your passion it probably took me about three years my youngest child was only a couple of months old when we moved back to sweden so i think sort of when he was three that's when i seriously just went in full time to working with sister and i canna and have been working with it full time since then um, was it a family decision was it a discussion with your parents and your sisters how did it came that uh, down to you and your sister only yeah um, no, it wasn't a family decision. My parents are retired, but they've been extremely supportive in the background of this. But this was purely my sister and I who just wanted to go full steam ahead. Um, 
and obviously including our, you know, we discussed it with our husbands, but this has been our thing that we've done and that we've gone ahead with. And we just felt that there was a real gap. Like we strongly believe there was a, a real gap. And it's been amazing to share this journey with my sister, because I think whenever anyone's sort of feeling a bit low or unmotivated, there's always someone else, a second partner that you know so well to lift you up, which has been great for us. So share with us um, the business. How was from the business plan to execution? Yeah. How has yeah. been that journey now? Uh, um, and the tasting, because I have seen you, you know, in Ikan or the large um, supermarket chains um, promoting. So, so tell us about that from the business plan to execution. How much did it take you to be out in the, mar out in the market? Yeah. And, and the, the innovation process, sure. where are you going next? Sure. I mean, we decided to kind of start start small where we felt like we really knew we we had like these big ambitions which we still do we still want to keep growing this business but um when we started off we just had to figure out what we could actually just do from the limited means that we had we were very we've always been very clear what we wanted to achieve so for us it was very clear that we wanted to bring good quality indian foods that didn't sort of um scare people and like and really encourage people to start cooking indian food Um, what we found was that a lot of Swedes, although they love Swedish Indian food, they kind of are too scared to cook it. They find it's too complicated. So our sort of premise was to sort of uh, build out a few products where we it was easy for people to um, to cook Indian food and get great results. So we started very small scale with uh, going back to the start, looking at our parents' recipes for all of their spices and sauces and uh, introduced in the beginning five different um, spice mixes, which were their classic spice mixes, which they'd been selling since the 70s. So we wanted to recreate that. We really didn't feel, for example, that there was any good curry powders or any good re ready-made sauces in the shops. So we started from that and we, uh, we started from small kitchens in Gothenburg, but we also teamed up with a Swedish design team who we thought were amazing so that we could kind of combine the, you know, the, the authentic and authentic content of the foods with a really beautiful Scandinavian design with a very strong color palette, but still something that didn't feel very old school. We felt that was what was on the shelf was very old school and it was the same glass jars, what had been there for like 30 years was still on the shelves. So we wanted to bring a really fresh look and just uh, and really bring forth the fact that we were a um, Swedish brand, a Swedish brand, but with a very authentic um, Indian and with but with our Indian heritage. <coughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's so that was kind of the premise. That's how we started. We started literally figuring out what we wanted to bring to the market. Um, finding a really good design team, I think, helped us a lot too. And the journey has been ongoing. We had a business plan, which I don't think I've looked at for the last three, four years. And, uh, and you know, it's not really, and, and we also started in an industry which we really didn't know at all, like the Dagli Varuhanda and the, the Swedish retail um, 
it's it's a different beast. It's a complete, it's a beast of its own. And it's been so amazing. You learn things every day. And I've been in sales and marketing before, but in a completely different industry. This was just so different. And you have to like, you know, pull up your sleeves and be happy to stack shelves when you need to. So all of this was part of that journey. And you were very, in Swedish, you call it prestigious, but you work without any kind of ego. Um, and uh, and so, as you mentioned, Tatiana, like, you know, I was out doing food demos and you're out working the shop floors um, until we sort of um, until we really started getting in centrally into these bigger stores. And that was that was just a lot of footwork that led to it, to be fair. And uh, and I've been were you was with... around. Were you because how was how was that transition from, you know, promoting and doing demos on the floor and then putting your products in the shelves without needing any more pitch? Yeah. What was that moment? I mean, you can't. Yeah, sorry. You're constantly pitching your products, but I feel like I, I was very, um, I was definitely helped by the background that I have in sales. And so, so I feel like uh, there was always this uh, comfort in doing professional pitches to, you know, centrally to a lot to all of these as well. So not just to individual shops, but also being able to communicate comfortably to headquarters and to the head offices of all of these shops as well. Um, so, I mean, so basically from the start where we had in 2017, 20 shops, we're now in over 500 plus shops across Sweden. So no. that's, yeah, that's fun. So and we're extremely proud of that. Um, and that's constantly growing. Every week we're sort of adding shops to that roster and uh, and our online sales. And obviously the year that's been, it's just, it's just been fantastic. People have sort of rediscovered their kitchens again. And also, uh, and for us, we're a small family company. So for us, it's always been about word of mouth. And as soon as people have tried our products, I think they understand the difference. Um, and there's, we've noticed there's such engagement from our customers because I, I think they do feel that it's a small, it's a small family company. We're fully, um, you know, we built this up from scratch, fully owned by us. And, uh, you know, we don't have the big ad muscles. That's not how we work. We're working to grow slowly still. And um, and just uh, and just uh, yeah, and just uh, and just keep growing slowly and just enjoying this ride. <laughs> so tell me about the pandemic. How has been the pandemic for you guys? Um, have you innovated? Have you uh, invest more in online e-commerce? I mean, how? What is it different, or or nothing changed into your business plans with the pandemic? Yeah. We decided very early on that we didn't want to um, cannibalize our sort of clients by by having our own e-commerce platform. So any e-commerce business is actually through our clients, such as Marth, Ham, Coop, um, Hamship, you know, we are featured on their um, e-commerce platforms if you want to buy our products. And that's obviously increased drastically over 2020. So for us, last year was a very, very good year. But coupled with that, what we realized suddenly was, you know, the supply issues from Asia, which has been so constrained. Um, so suddenly we had to sort of shift our hat from wearing a sales hat to wearing a, uh, you know, a logistics and supply chain hat and just operations and just figuring out how we get a really seamless supply going from Asia. And uh, that was our biggest challenge, but we've had a fantastic year. I mean, I think people have just rediscovered a bit, like just wanting to cook at home and wanting to do more at home. 
So yeah. I have done masala chicken masala uh, with your <laughs> sauces as well. So it's uh, it's really amazing because you just make it so easy, you know. Thank you. Thank you. Who yeah, is doing fun. those? Who is doing the sauce? I mean, who is actually cooking? Who is behind? Are you recruiting just Indian chefs? What are you doing? Who is yeah, yeah. we have an amazing R and D team that we work with in India, and they're the ones. So that's why, like, we really for us. We've had some comments sometimes how like, oh, your korma sauce isn't what I'm used to. And I'm like, well, it's not supposed to necessarily be what you're used to. It's we, we want it to be what we think it should be. You know, what we have like developed from our, you know, what we have been used to when we grew up and, uh, you know, what our parents used to cook in the restaurant. And that's what we tried to re recreate with our amazing R&D team in India. And they're, they're just so, uh, and we're, we're constantly looking at expanding our range, which hopefully will happen next year with more things added to the mix. And uh, yeah, we're, we're very lucky to work with uh, a great supply team, suppliers. Oh, okay. So now, um... Are you planning to expand outside Sweden? That would absolutely be the hope. Um, but as I said earlier as well, for us, it's still important to grow in a good steady rate that we can manage. But for sure, I would be very interested in moving forwards out, out to the Nordics first and then into Europe. Why not? Mm. Okay. Um, now, let's move on into... Um, your character as a person what made you um being the strong businesswoman that you are today who have been the women behind um that positive impact in your life the, the female factor in your life yeah. and why well i'm extremely lucky i've got i've got three sisters only one is my business partner but like i'm inspired by my sisters every day they're so strong in their own respective fields Um, but I also feel like, you know, I lean into different women in my life for their different strengths. So when I look at my mother and also my mother-in-law, they give me so they give me this different thing. They they are so supportive in the way they are. So like I feel like nothing I ask is too much from them. So when I need, I don't know, business advice, it'll be to one of my sisters. When I feel like I need to be motivated, it can be my other sister. But then my mother and my mother-in-law, if, if, you know, nothing is too much to ask. And that is fantastic to feel that you have these strong women behind you that, you know, nothing's too much. Mm. And um, it, just to, we're getting close to the end of our episode. Um, is there any takeaway that you would like to share with those listening? Um, what would be the takeaway or you know, any takeaways that you think will be important for people to, yeah. to hear, maybe learn, and if you can give an extra, maybe tips about starting a business in Sweden, because yeah. I think is a, is, you know, one thing is to have an idea, but another thing is to execute the idea and succeed. You know, I was, I was very uh, diligent in contacting a lot of entrepreneurs in the beginning of my journey. I kind of reached out to so many people just, and You know, some of them would take a meeting with me, some of them didn't. Um, but, but you know, and I, for example, I contacted the head of Roa um, Saft, uh, and the and he was so generous with just taking a phone call and just giving loads of ideas. And I would really, I would really push to do that. Just really try using every bit of network that you have 
And some people will take a call, some people won't, but just keep doing it, keep, keep really pushing that. Um, and I try doing the same in turn. So if I have salespeople or suppliers or, or people that wanna be suppliers, I will always try making time to for a respectful response. So I feel it's extremely important to just, I've built out a community in an industry that I really had no experience of five years ago. Now have a, a huge LinkedIn network with, within just this industry. Um, and I, I, I would like to think that I treat everyone with uh, respect across the whole chain. And I think that's why also the pandemic year, we found that our suppliers pulled out every stop to really help us through this year. You know, everything from our the people that do our transports to the people that do, you know, to do the that do the R and D and you know the, just the logistics behind that. So treating everyone from your end client till your supplier at the very start of that chain uh, with with respect and giving them time. I think building that community and looking after your community is extremely important. And if you want to start a business, just figure out whoever it is, even competition, and just reach out, ask questions. Don't be shy to do it. Okay, well, and any message for women listening? I really would think if this is something that you'd want to do, trust your, really trust your gut instinct. Like I've, I'm always followed by my instinct. You asked about a business plan earlier, but uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably, you know, you'd, <laughs> I haven't even looked back at that. I've just sort of been guided by, uh, yeah, just, just instinct and just what I feel would, be, would work. Um, so, yeah and just keep working at it. And you can, thank you so much for being with us at the IWRB Female Factor podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tatiana. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the episode interesting. For more information, you can read the descriptions of this episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, IWRB underscore business network or at www.iwib.online. Until next time. Bye-bye.